0: For every veteran, there is a story. A story about a calling to serve, to fight for the freedoms of the American people. And every story has a struggle, a sacrifice, and invisible wounds. Warrior Watts programs help veterans recover from PTSD and invisible wounds through exercise, nutrition, connecting with other veteran leaders. It is estimated that 22 veterans die each day by suicide and another 30 veterans die each day by substance abuse. These are preventable deaths. Warrior Watt is committed to fighting PTSD through fitness, nutrition, and community. opportunity to support our heroes in their time of need. Will you join us and take action? All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. It's, 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 it's Fit Nation. We are a show founded by a veteran and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with Ms. Fit Nation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Ms. Fit Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you're a veteran, first responder, or gold star family, We would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Mention. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Heroes Media Group and About Face Radio. Now, let's get to the show. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to a, a Monday day show for the Misfit Nation here. It's a great day, second day of our Veterans Week shows, and we have another good one today. Our next guest is active duty Navy commander who has served for 27 years. Her passions include helping people succeed, this one here is important to me, Protecting Animals, Speaking for Positive Change, and the Professional Development of the Craft of Public Relations. As an introspective writer, she muses about the human experience for her blog, Teresa's Tapestries. She has published in several media outlets and trade press, notably the War Horse and Public Relations Society of America. So without further ado, let's welcome Teresa Carpenter, uh, U.S. Navy Commander, Hi. podcast author, storyteller, wife, dog mom, and blogger. Welcome.
1: <laughs> How are you doing, Rich? Great to be on the show. Good. Thanks for having me.
0: It's great to have you. It's great to actually see you. We've been talking probably for a couple months via email, but this it's great to have awesome people come on my show, especially fellow podcasters, fellow uh, people of service, and, and you, of course, have serving for almost three decades. So thank you for all you've done for our country.
1: Well, thank you. It's, it's been quite an honor and, and quite a, quite a, quite an interesting journey uh, along the way. So uh, thank you.
0: So if you don't mind, Teresa, I gave about three sentences of your bio for the, for the audience. If you want to go back as far as you want, far back as you want to go to how we got here and let the Misfit Nation know a little bit more about you.
1: Sure. Um, as uh, Rich said, uh, I'm an active duty naval officer. I've served uh, for the last uh, almost uh, 30 years. I'm at 27 right now. Uh, I joined the Navy out of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, go uh, the Ohio State University, Buckeyes. Um, I grew up in a, if I would say a, a middle-class neighborhood, went to mostly uh, Catholic schools. Uh, had, had a little bit of trauma growing up, uh, just so, so, some issues with my mother uh, that I had to work through uh, a, a lot of my life, but uh, I'm in a, a very good good place now today enlisted uh, at 19 uh, to kind of get away uh, from 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 my hometown and, and just see the world and, and figure out what it was I was supposed to be doing with my life and became an aviation electrician's mate. So I fixed airplanes. Uh, then I got picked up for an officer program and I became a surface warfare officer. And then uh, f- since about 2008, 2009, I've, I've been a public affairs officer and so uh, it's, it's been quite, quite like I said, quite the journey uh, navigating my way through uh, the military and figuring out where I was supposed to be.
0: Wow, that, that is a journey there. I have a, a good friend who kind of similar. He was enlisted first and then uh, became an officer and wound up in public affairs as well. He's retiring, hopefully, in the next month or so. <laughs> so and he's in the Army side of PAO. Okay.
1: Yeah, I've, I've actually, it might not be, is it Chase Spears by any chance? It's, is it?
0: No, it's Chris Lancia.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. Chase is an army guy. I know who's, who's getting out real soon, uh, in public affairs, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful career, um, telling the Navy story and getting to do all the good stuff I get to do. I mean, I've been in joint commands. I've, I've served over, well now I serve overseas with NATO. Um, I've served in, you know, in combat zones I've served in, uh, various exercises, worked with embassies. It's, it's just been an incredible ride.
0: It's definitely awesome. Uh, from, from where you're, where you're sitting now, you get to see everything that's going on basically at the tip of it from your, your seat right now. You can see everything that's happening that we see two days, three days later uh, on the news here that may have, maybe the whole story may be a part of it, but you get to see it all and soak that all in and then tell the story the way people need to hear it. So that's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's quite the honor. It's, um, I mean, NATO is is, is certainly a, a, a very collaborative organization where a lot of people have to agree and be on the same page about things and uh, not an easy task when you're when you're uh, learning how to work with so many different nations uh, and cultures. And, and it isn't like an exercise where you just go out and you train with your allies and your partners or whatever. It's, it's like, no, they're in your work center and, and they work for you or you work for them. Like my boss is a Greek a uh, surface warfare officer from the Greek Navy. Uh, my DCOM is from uh, France and our COM is from uh, the UK. And then our chief of staff is actually from Spain. So it, it's really wow. an interesting experience. Yeah.
0: So you get to, you get to meet a lot of people, of course. And we talked in the pre-show that you get two American holidays a year, but you also get to understand their cultures and their holidays throughout the year as well.
1: We do. We even have a, uh, have every nation has a country night. So we, we all go to the officer's mess and we have, um, like let's say, French night, right? Where we'll have like a French band, we'll have cheese, we'll have wine, everybody dresses up for French night, then we have German night, then we have USA night. And uh, these are huge, huge, huge events for, our for, I mean, there's 500 people on my, our staff. So these are pretty, pretty big events that we do, and uh, they're probably going to be sand as some of the most memorable parts of of my time here, other than the trips. I get a lot of trips here, too. But uh, yeah, it's a really interesting experience. And it's so important, especially right now with what's going on with Ukraine and then now Israel. Um, I couldn't think of a better place to be that's more relevant and gives me such an understanding of what what is happening across across the world, actually.
0: Definitely. And since you're in uh, writing now, of course, when you were younger, I know when I was in Catholic school, writing was pushed on us a lot, but it wasn't because we wanted to, it's because a nun was telling me to. But was there was there a mentor in your life that showed you the way to become a writer or you just found the love for it?
1: Um, well, when I was in sixth grade, I, I used to we used to have to have a journal. Uh, our sixth grade teacher, Miss Burns, uh, made us all journal. And that was probably the first time I'd ever been recognized as a writer, as somebody that could express myself well with words. And I remember um, thinking that I was going to really stick with it. Like in eighth grade, I they had career day and I had a journalist from the Columbus dispatch come and, and, and uh, sit with me. And then in high school, I was in yearbook. So I, I was sort of making little inroads to those things. But then I, I got caught up in, in boys and partying and <laughs> uh, all those other things that, that, that distract us from our goals. And so I, I kind of lost sight of it. And that was really why I joined as a, as a maintainer on airplanes. Because by the time I got to be about 19, it was almost like there wasn't even that dream anymore. There was just partying and wanting to get out of town and get out, out from under my debt. And, you know, so, uh, but it would took me a little while to like kind of figure it out and go back to what it was that I was supposed to do.
0: Now you were uh, doing a main as a maintainer. Do you ever go back and when you're covering stories and maybe on that field, do you get the urge to go in there and maybe turn around or anything? (laughs)
1: no No. not at all not even the slightest in fact my husband's like he can't believe i ever even did that kind of job and you know looking back i mean he just he's just kind of like just shocked i mean i do know the names of wrenches and i know like wiring diagrams and i can i can i understand like voltage you know uh alternating current you know uh direct current i mean I, i remember all that stuff and, and I did it, but I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was passionate about it. I would say I, I learned how to be a, what we call a final checker troubleshooter. So I was a person on the flight deck that could do the quick fixes. And I was very, very utilized uh, for that because I was, uh, I was also, also even back then, I was a really good communicator. So they, they relied on me to sort of communicate what, what the other people were fixing and doing much better than myself at, uh, but I was always the go-to person because people could count on me, um, to get things done and they knew I wasn't gonna let something drop. And so, uh, yeah, it's not something that I'm, I'm my husband though, I very much appreciate his skills in in that department. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i'm sure he says come on you know how to do this come on jump in
1: <laughs> well it's funny because when we met uh he was coming over and fixing my broke down rv that i thought that i could suddenly own and not have any issues with even though i underpaid for it and got a big piece of shit that oh, i don't know if i can test on your podcast that like went uh nowhere and broke down on the way to washington state and that's actually how oh, we met because he wrote he, <laughs> reached out to me somehow we were talking on a dating app and then he mentioned that he was handy and then my RV broke down and I wasn't going to really reach out to him but then I remembered him saying that he knows how to fix stuff and so I had him come over and yeah that that's kind of how everything started so um and I just remember thinking my god this guy's a mechanical genius like he can do anything and I remember just really appreciating it and all my Things about oh, I've gotta have a guy with a master's degree and this and that. And I had all these, you know, stupid uh checklists. They all went out the window when I saw how good he was at what he did.
0: <laughs> Outstanding. That's a good love story, too. So <laughs> yeah, I RV mean it, thing, it really
1: so. I, I went outside my type. I, I like I said, I thought I needed someone that was like, you know, all had master's degrees and had this very professional job and everything. And and at the end of the day, I just I kind of went back to a a good blue collar man who knows how to fix shit, get things done, stands up for himself, stands up for others. So,
0: yeah. Nice. And and now he is, he, he's staying in, he's in England with you as well, or is he stay here in the States?
1: Well, he, he kind of goes back and forth. Um, he's technically here as a visitor because we maintain two households. So we have our household in, uh, Norfolk, Virginia, but we're also maintaining that as an Airbnb. So that's, that's what he works on. So he manages that. And then, uh, he's here as well, uh, and we do quite a bit of traveling. My job, I'm constantly going to uh, Poland or, gosh, uh, everywhere, all, all over Europe, France. I'm going to Germany next month. And so he he's very fortunate as a recipient of all these trips. Uh, he gets to come <laughs> with me <laughs> and go on the back end and, and other things. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're kind of doing this experience together, which has been wonderful because I've been single off and on most of my adult life. And so now or I'd say half my adult life. And uh, so now I have this amazing partner to just kind of go through all these experiences with me. So it's nice.
0: That's awesome to have a a teammate to go with you everywhere you can, wherever he's allowed to go with you. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. It is. You said you said you've been forward deployed, of course, as a as a PAO, uh, public relations officer. What was what's one major story that you were able to cover that really touched you when you were there?
1: So I, I'd say, like, my, my most memorable uh, experience uh, being a PAO was um, the USS Nimitz homecoming in 2018. Um, we had gone over to, uh, we did, you know, the typical what we call a Western Pacific deployment. So we went into uh, Syria, dropped bombs in Syria. We did um, some of our Asia Pacific tour as well. So usually you start off in uh, what we call... 7th uh, fleet and then you go over to 5th fleet and uh it was about a 9 month tour and it was right when like me and my my now husband but we were more boyfriend girlfriend and uh we 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 only knew each other for about 4 months before I went on this deployment but you know got to know each other pretty well and stayed in touch and really talked pretty routinely while I was deployed and I'll just never forget the way we pulled in because it wasn't the typical way like you pull into the pier and there's this homecoming with the band and and there's all those things that you see like on tv but instead we were behind on our schedule and so we pulled right into the shipyard so and so the shipyard is a controlled industrial area or something like that cia and so there was all this like security and we were like behind this gate and they, they pulled out all the stops to make it work for us because I don't remember if we needed to get in there right away. I think that's what the issue was, or that was just where we, the only room was. Um, but it's just, it was kind of just a sight to see, uh, the family, like behind the gate, like they weren't like right at the ship. They were like behind this like fenced in area. And then they, you know, as soon as we were able to, you know, get all tied up and everything, um, they just let everybody in. And then, so you just see this massive crowd of people, uh, emerging down the pier, and I'll never forget, like he got the media there. You, you have the first kiss. I mean, the, and, the, and the people, they they all, they faked it up and like did the whole lean back thing. It was really cool. And they had, a, you know, a first mom or I don't know. There were all these different, my EXO was very creative with all the different things that executive officer, all the things he wanted to announce. And I thought this was like this really huge deal. And I was like, oh my God, I, I can't believe that, you know, my husband, Harry's going to see this. And my husband, I mean, if you've ever met him, he's got a beard down to here. He's very calm. He's not necessarily the most expressive person. And he was just like, hey, babe, how you doing? And I was just like, this is like the biggest deal ever. Like everybody thinks this homecoming is so cool. And my husband just like, oh, it's so good to see you. He's just quiet and just like nothing (laughs) and i just remember like wow that's that that's that's (laughs) harry so it was really kind of funny
0: we get some dinner
1: (laughs) yeah he was just like oh okay and i was like babe look look there's the reporters there's the you know there's the first kiss people he's like oh yeah that's kind of cool (laughs) <laughs> it just didn't phase him it doesn't like like my job doesn't phase him it just reminds me of like there's that girl uh in the olympics uh that got like the second place or the third place and there's this look on her face and she's it's called the not impressed look and then i remember people like used her meme they'd have like her her like little like grumpy look and they'd show her in like the taj mahal or like somewhere else and she's just like not impressed <laughs> I remember thinking like that's Harry
0: <laughs> actually just seen that uh, that meme against morning yeah what it was on but I seen her picture Megan Maroney on Mulvaney or something I think her name was yeah
1: yeah and she got like second place in the Olympics or something and you she just has this like sourpuss look on her face like oh my god I only got second place no not why she
0: my world you over know <laughs> at the top stage in your second place right yeah yes, yes. <laughs> Most people would kill for that. Yes.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. And it was just a bad PR move on her end. I mean, I get it. She was probably disappointed. But at the same time, uh, unfortunately, she just became a meme from that day forward uh, for that. But I remember it just made me laugh so hard when I saw it. And so that's that's what my my <laughs> husband's expression reminded me of. Like, this is this big, grand thing that, and he doesn't have any, mil, you know, he doesn't have friends in the military. He's never been around military. This wasn't like something he'd ever seen before. But for him, it was just like, oh, okay. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> and I remember oh, like, Wow. <laughs>
0: She came home now. We can, we can be together again.
1: Right, right. She's here. I'm happy to see her. <laughs>
0: All right, let's go. You got your bag?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's time for dinner now. <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> so yeah, that was just uh, 2018, right? So that was a couple of years before the, the pandemic uh, swept the, the world. And then uh, in the pandemic, you started your podcast, uh, Stories of Service. So about three years in April would be. So April two, 2020, you started that hmm. Uh, what inspired you to start that? And I know you're having fun with it, but I'll let you talk about it. <laughs>
1: um, so when I started the show, I um, had been getting, I'd say, a lot of f- positive feedback through my LinkedIn posts at that point. Um, I'd been asked to be a co-author for a book. And it was just sort of an extension of those things because at some point I was like, well, I can share my story all day long, but I really want to get the stories of other people. And I really want to hear other people's perspectives. And so my show really was just born out of my innate curiosity about people and about how people do what they do, What's what inspires people to take the things on that they take on, um, and, it was a way for me to have this creative outlet where I could be more um, daring and I could be, I could take more risks than I can ever do in my professional life. I can talk about things on my show that I could never talk about at work or with my, or or with, with, you know, cause everything I do for the Navy or for NATO is so, so tightly controlled and, and centralized in terms of messaging and things like that. But with my show, I could take on the topics that I always really wanted to talk about and that I felt were important. And then I could also honor and give a gift to somebody else and say, well, this is your opportunity to tell your story and, and the things that you have learned and how those things have helped others. And so for me, it was just, it was sort of a labor of love and it just, it was born out of this curiosity and this need to want to be inspired by others. And then the people that inspire me, I thought could inspire other people as well.
0: That's awesome. And, uh, and when I first started this, it was kind of twofold. One, so we keep our brothers and sisters with us. So if they tell their story to get the pressure off their chest and get that PTSD kind of unleashed on them for a little while, so they stay with us a little longer and don't become part of the statistics that run most nonprofits 22, to 44 a day, depending on who you talk to. And then it would also help me to know that I was helping them and learn their stories. Then after a few episodes, they are like, hey, that's awesome. We love talking, but we need help with other things. I said, okay, like what? How about how do we write a book? How do we get and start a business? How do we do this? How do we get to Hollywood? That's right. Challenge accepted. So I started getting experts in and mixed them in with those stories. And now 300 plus episodes later, it's just constantly getting new people on to talk about awesome things.
1: Yeah, you learn so much too, with your guests. Like, yeah. I, I mean, recently I had a guy on who started a Micronation, the, the Micronation of Slow Jamistan, where we play slow jams all day long and no crocs allowed. I mean, it's just, it's the best thing ever. And this guy literally has a slow jam radio station that he's had since he was 16. He's now I think Aww. of my age in his 40s, maybe maybe late like 40s, went to every country, and decided after visiting every country around the world, he was going to start his own nation. And he's got all I mean, and it's gone viral. Like if you Google Slow Jamistan, wow. you can find uh, the Porter Patrol, which is his you know, his little patrol vehicle. He's got he actually bought 19 acres of land near Palm Springs and he put up a sign oh, wow. and he has events, and it's but I would never have talked to somebody like that if right. I didn't have a show. <laughs>
0: that's amazing i spoke to a, a man who lives on a boat that just sails between the gulf uh the east coast of florida back into the gulf always like panama and stuff like that every and he surfs wherever he can find surf and then he just writes songs on his boat and i interviewed him on his boat so that's this is amazing
1: <laughs> that's so cool i mean people yeah. just do really really amazing things and it's wonderful to have a place where you can gather these stories and other people can be inspired by them. I mean, it's so much fun. It's a lot of work, but it's so much fun.
0: But like you said, you learn so much and your eyes get open to so many different things that are out there. You really you might have thought it was there, but you didn't really think it was real. And then all of a sudden it is real. I was like, wow. OK, so that's awesome. So I'm not only other also learning a lot along the way.
1: Oh yeah, it's it, the show is just as much for me as it is for my guests or my audience. I mean, cuz every time I do a show, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I had no idea that there was somebody who was doing something like this." Or a lot of times it's if there's something that I feel, especially within the military community, that I think needs fixed or I think we need to take a harder look at, I'm not afraid to talk about those things and I get a lot of people who question me about how did I get permission to, to talk about the things that I do? And, I, and I've and i actually even written a, a whole article about it that I'm looking to try to get published somewhere about all the lessons learned that I, I've had on, on speaking out and speaking up for change. Because there is a way to do it on active duty. And I wish more people would do it.
0: <laughs> you, you see a lot more now, like on Instagram uh, and TikTok, a lot, of, uh, a lot of people are on there actually showing what they do in the military, And I think that's kind of a recruiting tool doing it the positive way. If they're doing things the positive way, it's a good recruiting tool. And then there's, of course, there's some stuff that shouldn't be on there, but those who are showing that they can be a professional in a day and still have a life at night and be a family person or run a business at night as well are showing you that it's possible to do two things at once, be in the military, serving while also serving your future.
1: Absolutely. And the younger generation, I think, has it. Has it nailed with like the Instagram and the TikTok and and all those things? I, I think that among my generation, there's still a lot of reluctance to put yourself out there like that, and uh, I think it's kind of a shame. Um, and I agree; not everyone's an advocate either. I mean, I'm I'm definitely more along the advocacy lines, uh, which is not as business friendly uh, as as I would say uh, some of the other people's uh, content is. Uh, but that's just the the, the track that makes me feel most inspired is to is to call things is to call things out. And I try to balance it too and not be always about fixing things and speaking up because you can only do so many of those shows. Um so I balance them too with just people who are positive and talking about leadership or talking about you know, I had it on oh God, I had a Bob Slater, a USA Bob Slater on uh from the Marine Corps. She was amazing, Riley. Um So I just mix it up as much as I can. And I find that that's also the secret to success is that you don't have to have just one kind of person on your show. You really can have variety.
0: And I think variety keeps it going instead of like, there's a lot of big shows that keep the same kind of, kind of flow with them all the time. And it gets boring sometimes if you go on and just hear the same story, basically with a different name. Yep. I like to hear stories of, uh, I like resilient stories yet, yeah, but I like to hear why they have, why they wound up in that situation from a different perspective than the same over and over.
1: Oh, me too. And that's why I love, like you mentioned before the call, uh, Joe Rogan, because he rings on so many different types of people. I'm also, I've become a pretty big fan of the diary of a CEO guy. Uh, he, he does a lot of good podcasts. Um, he's from the UK and, and he's another one of those ones that does like a lot of, the you know, big names, but then I even like people like, and this isn't really a podcast, but there's a show called soft white underbelly. I absolutely love it. It's a YouTube channel where he, he's really a photographer that is now independently, um, wealthy and able to interview people on skid row and people that live very alternative and, and very different type of lifestyles. Um, pimps, drug addicts, a lot of addicts, but it's, it's a fascinating look. Um, into parts of our society that people uh, I think would rather not not shine a light on. And I, And I think it's wonderful that he's giving these people this opportunity to share their story. And, and it's it's fascinating. I mean, every time I watch it, I just my heart breaks for these people, but at the same time, uh, I, I think that it's so important that we see uh, that that this is a part of our a part of our community. It's a part of our world and uh, I think it's important to have those stories told.
0: And closing your eyes to it doesn't make it go away. So, <clears throat> letting it be known that, that it's out there, and these are real people that maybe made one mistake that cost them this, or a 30-second decision caused all this to happen to them. We don't know what their story is until you talk to them.
1: Yeah, and a lot of it is um, years of sustained trauma. It's, it's complex trauma. It's people who have um, unfortunately we're, we're not really given a very, very good start to life. And, uh, it, it just, it messes with your brain. It messes with your personality. I mean, I, I can even tell that in my own family that it, it's just, unfortunately, when you've kind of gone down a certain road for so many years and, um, it's, it's incredibly hard and most of the people that he interviews will never, uh, break that cycle. Um, but I think that it really gives us, um, own awareness and a compassion, uh, for, for these kinds of people and the things that they've been through, um, and so it has opened my eyes in a way that I've, I mean, I'm forever changed because of his show. I mean, and that's that's saying a lot, it's just but I keep watching it and I keep tuning in, and uh, I, I feel like everybody's story I learn a little something from,
0: right? And if you don't learn from them, then something's wrong up here, but you got to learn something from people's stories, and, and you, you can see maybe how you could have. Could have been there for them if, if you knew the person before if you seen the sign or something. But a lot of our brothers and sisters wind up out there, too, after they get out of the military because whatever is going on happens. And they wind up there and then they're back into another fight to get back into a, a good life. Uh, I've interviewed a few former service members that wound up homeless, wound up in, in the skid row areas of their towns and had to fight uh, fight the demons to get out of it and become successful again.
1: It's hard. It it really is. I mean, and, and I can tell you a lot of this, um, what was really fascinating to me about it, Rich, is that, um, a lot of the things that these people struggle with at the end of the day is just plain loneliness. Um, they just don't have anyone there for them. They do not have friends. And I can tell you that even as I've been an active duty member in the military and I had a good paycheck coming in, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to wake up every morning and not have someone to call and and go weeks like that and and really just have like anonymous groups that that I could turn to. And so when some of the people in the in the shares or like whatever you want to call it during the show talk, I can I can relate even though I was never, you know, homeless on Skid Row. I don't think I've ever had the addiction issues to the extent that some of those guests have. Um, I know what it's like not to have anyone and and to be alone. I mean, I was alone in my, in my own childhood home a lot of times. And I, I know how that feels to think that every day you're just waking up and there's nobody to call because you're just and you're so miserable and pathetic in that state. Nobody really wants to deal with you because all you are going to be is a taker because you're in such a shitty place in life. And, uh, so I guess I have a lot of compassion for people who have, who are in that muck. And, and I have found the only way that you really get out of it is to find, and this is not going to sound like the right answer, but it worked for me. You have to find somebody who's in the muck with you. You have to find yeah. people who are just as down and out as you are, but that want to get better. That's why the anonymous groups are really helpful. Uh, because nobody else will listen to your sob story when you're in that sad, pathetic place. Um, because you've just, you've taken so much from people at that point and you're not in a position to help anyone. Um, and, and unfortunately that's where a lot of those people be, that's where you get when you're like that. And I know this, cause again, I've spent months in those places. Um, I was, you know, always had a happy face at work and, you know, nobody really knew what was going on behind the scenes, but behind the scenes, I had nobody to talk to or no one to call. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a really, it was a really tough place. So, I, I guess I do I have a lot of compassion for people that get to those places
0: right and uh, like you said the uh, if you don't uh, if you don't get into the muck with people or have them in the same fight that you're in you'll know, it's hard to kind of get into that level or understand what their tribe what 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 tribe they need where they need to go from there
1: mm-hmm. because I mean the thing too is, especially if you're alone and you're in your 30s or your 40s, you know, your friends aren't single anymore. They all have family and they all have other lives and, 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 and they're happy. Like they're not in that state of mindset that you're in. Like the way I felt like it was me against the world. And I was, I, you know, and I had this thing in my brain where, and I still have to stop myself from doing it sometimes where I just want to go to the most, you know, negative intentions, or I want to go to the like most darkest place. And I have to remember like that's a choice um i'm choosing to to think those those bad things and instead i can i can have you know i try to have more of a noble intent about things but that takes a lot of like discipline to discipline your mind that way if if for years you've been thinking in a different way and so i think that's what happens to people when when they become suicidal or they become depressed or they have all those issues is that they spend days and weeks and then it becomes months of just not really feeling like there's anything to look forward to each day and that's how i felt um so i I think that that's probably the best thing you can do uh when you're in that state is find other people that are in that state as well and i know that people won't tell you that like they'll say oh no you got to call a friend that's really you know no because those people don't get it and and they're not going to really take time for you no you got to find some people that are also struggling and then hopefully you too can hopefully not bring each other down, but hopefully you can find the right kinds of people that are both trying to build each other up.
0: (laughs) Try to find the the stairway back up is the best way to find Yeah. And another thing for those in military, when you leave home, we do when we're young to join the military, you're leaving that direct link back to the friends and family. And now you found a whole new friends and family that people don't understand that that becomes your family. And, that has to be tight too and then every two or three years in the military you wind up with a new family because you pcs somewhere or people get out of the military so you're finding new ways to be with people and the best thing uh, the best part of social media is being able to stay connected with all those people now early on in my career there was no social media so a lot of people from early in my career it's it's hard to find them now
1: i can relate to that yeah you're right that's such a great point Um, my early career too, I have very few people, um, maybe on Facebook is about it, uh, who are still around or still in touch with me from my enlisted days because we didn't have social media, you know, my early Naval career or, you know, junior enlisted. And then once I, about the time I was, I'd say a Lieutenant in the Navy that, you know, Lieutenant JG 2010, I can remember was when social media really blew up. But before then, you're right. I, I've lost touch with a lot of the people. Um, and people from my childhood too. I mean, sometimes they'll randomly reach out on Facebook, which is always kind of interesting and fun. But um, I was a pretty unhappy kid growing up. and so it's like it's really hard to like kind of go back to some of that. I mean, I had happy times, don't get me wrong, and I had some great friends, but I spent a lot of time feeling sorry for myself and kind of being lonely. And so it's, it's, it's very interesting. Cause I'm so happy now and, and I've had a lot of therapy and I've a lot of done a lot of work on myself. And so um, it's just, a, I, I know I'm the same person. I just don't feel the same, you know?
0: Right. We, we all evolve and sometimes mm-hmm. our friends from our past do not. And uh, I have friends that still talk about back in the day all the time. It's always about high school and this and this. It's been 30 years since high school, 25 years, whatever. But it's a long time since high school. I, I don't remember a lot of high school, but I remember a lot of the military.
1: Yeah, I know. That's that's how I feel, too. I mean, the military has basically been my, well, I've joined when I was 19 and it's it's been my entire adult life. Um, it would be strange to go back to Columbus. I, I've thought about it. Like, what would it be like to like live in Columbus, Ohio again? I mean, I have still some friends there and some people that I know, but I, I, it's just not even my life anymore uh, because I've, I've just been living this life for so long. So I think it would be, it would be quite strange, but I, I mean, and, and there are some amazing people from there and I, I, I did have some great experiences as well, but it just seems such like a world. I'm sure it seems that way for you too, Rich. It's like a world away oh, yes, from where you are now.
0: Even when I just was home a couple weeks ago, we lost, uh, our aunt died. So I went home and everyone, I I just go and get a hotel room. I go visit my dad, sit with him. I interviewed him this time because I figured that's the best thing I can do right now. Interview him, get his story. So I put him on my podcast, made him famous. 83-year-old man on my podcast, talking to this time. <laughs> Thursday and everything. But everyone else is still doing the same things that they always did. And I don't know. It It's hard for me to just get involved up there because I'm not there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, it, it's, it's tough for me, too. And, and like I said, I'm grateful that I have um, my friend Mary McNeil, another friend named Karen, uh, a couple others. Tara and her sister, Sherry. Uh, so there's a few that, that I still keep in touch with, or that, uh, you know, I I would try to visit if I ever went back, but my husband's from Washington state. And so what we'll probably wind up doing is once I retire, um, not necessarily move there, but maybe live there part-time, especially in the summertime where it's warm. Um, and then find another home in, in Southern South in the Florida area where values and, uh, weather align for us. So, so that, that's kind of the plan.
0: <laughs> and we have, a uh, one of the audience, uh, chimed in here, Teresa, thank you for all you do. And thanks for telling your story, small world. My wife is from just down the road from you in Lancaster, Ohio. It's Jake Holland, our resident redneck here on the Misfit Nation.
1: That's awesome. Well, Lancaster is actually where my cousin Rita is from. And, yeah a few of my relatives on my mom's side. So I would grow up, I'd, I'd actually go to Lancaster quite a bit uh, to visit. So yeah, not far at all.
0: So that is small world. Thanks, it is,
1: Jake. it really
0: is. So Teresa, if you can talk to young Teresa now and, and they, you should join the military and this is why, what would you say?
1: Um. Well, I would say that for me, it was the best decision I've ever made other than marrying my husband in my entire life. I didn't know it at the time. Um, right. <laughs> and I didn't realize like, oh, I'm going to be a part of these amazing teams. I'm going to get leadership experience. I'm I'm going to learn a trade. Um, but I think that the military exposes you to so many things, so many things that aren't great either. Like, but that's good. Like, I, I think sometimes... You, we, we we think we want things easy, but if things are easy, then there's no struggle. And if there's no struggle, then we don't learn and then we don't get resilient. And so um, I, I think that the military is going to do all those things for a young person. It's going to build character because you're going to have toxic leaders and you're going to have crazy ass coworkers that you got to deal with and, and you're going to have unexpected deployments that are whatever that you're going to you're going to deal with shit that's not very pleasant and I, and I don't want to sugarcoat that because joining the military is hard um, but at the same time you're going to make amazing friends you're going to learn great men you're going to have great mentors you're going to have opportunities to try all these different jobs um and you have to you have to be valuable like you can't just go into a job and just expect it to be handed to you you have to figure out you know how to how to make an impression using your ethic, your work ethic, using the skills that they teach you. Um, You got to make sacrifices for the team. I mean, like right now at my office, we all want to work from home. It's great, but I constantly have to remind myself and my team that this is something we all have to take turns doing uh, because (laughs) at the end of the day, someone's stuck in the office for all the stuff that the front office wants. And uh, so uh, I always say that we've got to, But we can do it. We're going to make it work because we want it to work and we want the whole team to enjoy that benefit. So, um, this is the same kind of thing. Like I'm learning all these like ways in which to, and I didn't play sports growing up. I always noticed people who are athletes, uh, seem to have an easier time in life. I, I don't know if musicians are the same way or people that are in drama club. I don't know if that's the same kind of team kind of mentality, but, for some reason, athletes, they just seem to do so well. And I was not an athlete growing up. And I kind of, I, I would say, I regret that a little bit because there's something about already understanding those kinds of sacrifices and, and ways to be a good team player. Uh, so you learn all those things in the military. So I say, join, even with this you know crappy retention and crappy recruiting and all the issues because be the, be the change. That's how I see it. Like, Uh, I'm going to stay in the Navy as long as the Navy needs me. And as long as I'm having a a, a fulfilling career Um, and I'm going to keep calling out the things that I see that we need to fix. And I'm going to keep praising and celebrating the things we do right, because I'm in it and I'm, and I'm part of the, I'm part of the change and I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and throw stones.
0: Awesome. So listen to that audience. uh, If you're, you have you, have, I guess, teenagers or college students right now thinking about their next steps. Military is a great option. You just got to learn to to put the work in and and be a member of a team. It's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it's it is a sacrifice. Um, but I think that everything that you have that you've earned and and you're proud of is. And I think the other thing is to learn what you're good at and learn learn what you gravitate towards. Um, and try to find something in the military that that matches your proclivities. Like there's guys on my staff, for an example, that love to wax on about uh, geopolitics. Like our Intel officer is really good at it. Um, our political affairs advisor is really good at it. Now I've realized our information operations guy is great at it. I am not that person. I am not going to stand up at a briefing and tell you what China is doing or tell you what, you know, what the Ukrainian media is saying, I am really not, but am I going to be the one that's going to plan a damn good exercise? Yes, I am. Am I going to be the one that's going to work with the media and get all the cool visuals and 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 show and tell a great story about what we're doing and why we do it? Yes, I am. Mean, Will be that person. So I think it's learning to like what you gravitate towards and what you would be doing even if you weren't being paid for it.
0: Awesome. So how does someone get in contact with you, like I did, to either talk to you like we are now, or or maybe get on your show? Or just learn from you how to be a writer.
1: Um, I would say they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's probably the biggest uh, platform where it's the most, it's the easiest to get in touch with me. But I have an Instagram uh, page as well, and um, I I have a little beacon's uh, what is it like a mobile briefcase where you can go on to any of my links. Um, I'm always looking for guest ideas. Um, I'm I'm always backed up with, with guests, as I'm sure you are, but. Uh, I do my best to try to, to try to put people on that, uh, I can and, and where and when I can. Um, and then as far as like how to, how to be a good writer, I, I always say too, I'm not a long form writer. I am a, I am a, you know, I like, I like short stories. I like doing posts. I I've done some editorials and I've written some longer articles, but I would def- people tell me all the time, Oh, Teresa, you got to write a book. And I'm like, Oh, this just sounds like so hard. I'd have to, I'd have to have a coach and I'd have to have, some, I mean, it'd be like going to the gym or having a personal trainer. Cause I, you know, cause I'd have to like write all the time and, uh, and I would have to work on my grammar and yeah. I, and it's so interesting. Cause like, as I get older, I just don't give a shit. I don't care anymore. Like <laughs> I used to be like, Oh God, I'm not the best writer. No one's ever going to like, and now I don't care. You know, I, 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 I'm happy with the way I write. I'm happy with the way I express myself online. Um, so I would say that you just gotta be yourself, be be who you are. And if you're you, you don't have to be Shakespeare uh to put out a story. You, you can you can literally put together three paragraphs on a social media post with a with a nice picture and that tells a story. So being a storyteller is not I wrote a book. Being a storyteller is I I, I captured this amazing content, this video, you know, I just took my phone and went like this and, oh my God, it's so gorgeous. And then I'm talking about how that experience made me feel and, and, and how it inspired me that, that that's a story.
0: Definitely. I love that. I mean, I just published my second book, uh, September 11th, came out, but I didn't write every day. It took me years and years to finish this book. because I kept having ideas and I'd write a little bit and come back to it, write a little bit, come back to it. So each chapter, basically one story at a time. And I would just erase stuff. I'm not the perfect writer at all, but I got it out. Thank God.
1: That's awesome. Congratulations. Like I say, thank I you. I definitely want to do it someday. I just haven't haven't done it yet.
0: It, it, it was a fun journey, and I'm glad glad that B's out now. So I'm not gonna look work on my PhD a little more now.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. What's your That's PhD? Awesome you gonna more. be in.
0: Homeland security.
1: Okay. Very nice.
0: I figured I'd try something obscure and do that. So Teresa, this has been awesome. I know it's getting late where you are. Uh, we have the rest of the day here in the, in the States to hang out and, uh, and do our job. I guess we have to go back to that. But thank you for coming on and, and, and hanging out with the Misfit Nation for the last uh, almost 50 minutes. This has been awesome.
1: Thank you so much. It's such an honor to come on the show. And uh, thank you so much for considering having me on. And 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 it's been a pleasure talking to you, Rich
0: so you have a good night
1: all right take care now
0: this is a message from the u.s department of veterans affairs got a question about your va benefits health care or eligibility go to va.gov where you can access a new interactive chat bot to ask questions 24 7. one can still browse va.gov for information but you can now ask specific questions to the chatbot, like what's the PACT Act? How do I apply for disability benefits? What's my claim status? You can access the new feature through va.gov's Contact Us page, then click on the Start Chat button. The chatbot will continue to improve veterans' access to information about the benefits and services they've earned. This is one way VA is offering seamless and secure access to its online resources. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. That's themisfitnation.com. Check out all of our past episodes and get some of that great Misfit Nation. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. This we are. This fit nation, this fit nation, this fit this this fit nation this fit nation